hello. <laughs> so nice to see all of you. So for the past uh, few years, once a year, uh, my husband Mike and I have uh, been giving a, a joint talk, and tonight is the night. And our topic tonight is cultivating sovereignty. And uh, Mike and I are both aware that this word is not very common in our vernacular. So um, I'm going to start off with a sort of working definition. And then I'll share a little bit and then turn things over to Mike and he'll share his working definition and share a little bit. We'll go from there. Um, so it's important to mention that the, the textbook definition of sovereignty is not very helpful for us in regards to what we'll be speaking on tonight in terms of sovereignty being a quality that we can develop and strengthen in our life that will help to um, foster and bolster our mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. So that's why Mike and I have come up with our own uh, definitions that we'll share. And I did post them on the board just for continued reference if, you know, in about five minutes you're like, what the heck is sovereignty? I don't remember. Um, so to be clear, this is my, this is my own definition I'm sharing um, here. So the definition I've come up with for sovereignty is the state of fully relaxing with solidity and ease into all the parts of who we are. I'm going to say it again. So the state of fully relaxing with solidity and ease into all the parts of who we are. So while we will, of course, continue to experience um, hardships and difficulties and a range of different experiences and the full gamut of uh, human emotions and all that that entails. When our quality of sovereignty is strong, we will be able to carry our true self with us into any moment that arises, irregardless of the external variances that happened. So there's a, there's a level of groundedness and stability um, that we can carry with us. And that's what sovereignty as far as this quality we're going to speak to is, is about. So what I'm going to do now is just offer a couple of um, examples from my own life that have come up in the last few months, which will hopefully help give some context to what I'm talking about here and help illustrate how sovereignty can show up and how it can um, be of benefit to us and those around us as well. So uh, my first example is... Um, has to do with uh, my motorcycle. So over the summer, um, <clears throat> I got a new used motorcycle and I stepped up into a bigger bike. Um, I've had a smaller bike for a good, uh, good many years, um, but I got a larger bike this year and I uh, wound up falling more in love with riding than I had been previously, which I didn't realize was possible. And uh, <laughs> I was having a, a great time on, on, uh, on my new bike, and I was taking it everywhere I could. So whether I was going across town or out of town, if I had a, few, you know, a free moment, I was on the bike. So during this um, 
heightened ride time for me. I um, was set to have a meeting with someone at uh, Har Shalom, which is our local Jewish synagogue. And they were interested in meeting with me as, as the director here at Openway who um, deals with the center rentals that we do here for community classes and events. And they were interested in possibly opening up their space um, to community classes and groups as well. And so they wanted to chat with me about how we do that and what that process is. So on the day of our um, of this meeting, I uh, was getting ready to head out the door. And my first thought was like, oh, I'll take the bike. Yeah, of course. Um, and then I had a second thought, which came right on the heels of that first thought. And the second thought was, is it appropriate for uh, a representative the director, uh, one of the spiritual leaders of Open Way, to show up to meet with another head leader at a place of worship on a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah? And um, there's humor to that, and, uh, and that's good. And uh, it's important for you to know that this was a, uh, a serious consideration for me. It was something um, that I really gave some thought to. Um, and I was thinking, well, how does this translate? How would this translate to this, that other person I'm meeting with? How does that reflect on you know this center and our sangha community? Um, so I pondered it for a little bit. Fortunately, as I have been um, intentionally investing time and energy and practice into developing sovereignty, um, it started for me six years ago, um, putting intentional practice into this. Fortunately, as that practice has grown stronger over that time, I had a third thought. <laughs> So after doing a little bit of thinking about the second thought, a third thought came, came up, arose, and the third thought was, yep, it's cool, I'm taking the bike. So I took the bike. <laughs> um, now, had it been a few years ago, um, I would have stalled out on that second thought. And I would have allowed um, uh, sort of this uh, swirling of self-doubt and the comparison games to govern uh, what I did. And I don't think, I probably would not have taken the bike a few years ago um, because that third thought would not have come up. <coughs> so for me in that instance, um, I was able to uh, step fully into that part of myself uh, that is an honest to goodness motorcycle enthusiast. Yeah, and take the bike and be cool with taking the bike. Um, and let go of the rest of it. Yeah. Um, and I have directly experienced that when I'm able to do that, when I'm able to show up with those qualities of solidity and ease, it um, uh, makes a difference of how I am received as well. Yeah. Um, I have seen that uh, in a variety of situations. And it's important to mention that when it comes to this quality of sovereignty, that solidity and ease, they need to go together. Uh, they are two wings of the same bird. Yeah, you can't have one without the other when it comes to this quality of sovereignty as we're speaking about it today. Solidity and ease, they go together. Yeah. Mm. My, um, my second example is that... Uh, for as long as I can remember, 
And uh, very often, I'm someone who uh, writes notes on their hand in pen. Um, I do this almost every day. I've got some on there right now. There's, you see? There's, yep. Um, that's not important. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> where was I? Um, so I'm someone who writes notes on their hand in pen. And so if I'm away from my paper day planner, uh, and there's something important I need to remember, it goes right on my hand. A couple of months ago, I had a, um, <clears throat> an older friend of mine who I regard as a mentor as well, notice these uh, 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 penned notes on my hand one day. And they said, I thought only 12-year-olds did that. And without missing a beat, which is not common for me, because I'm not super quick on my feet um, when it comes to replies. Um, but without missing a beat in this instance, I was able to say, well, it works for me. And not only was that an accurate statement, but I was able to say it without matching what I took as sort of the biting tonal quality that I was receiving from that person. Um, and I was able to say it in a, you know, in a, in a good way without uh, matching that tone. And um, again, a, a few years ago, um, that occasion, that instance, that person's comment, I would have I carried that with me for days, um, maybe for weeks. And it would have been something that I would have swirled around with in my head and kept coming back to. And I would have allowed myself to plunge into the sea of self-doubt based on that one Really brief comment. Yeah. Um, and I may have even stopped doing it. I may have stopped writing notes on my hand because it's not what uh, an adult should be doing, quote unquote, right? Based on this other person's judgment. Um, and so, in this case, however, I was able to respond with that energy, again, of ease and own the fact that I'm someone who writes notes on their hand in pen when I need to. <laughs> and um, get in touch with the fact that for me, it works. It works really well. It's a tool that I use that works. And that's what matters. Yeah. It doesn't matter what someone else thinks about uh, something I'm doing if it's working for me. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, I realized too that it's um, for me, it's not what someone else thinks about what I'm doing that matters. Yeah, it's what I think, and it's about what works for me that matters. And staying in touch with that. Um, and it's important to mention too that um, well, first of all, a lot of times when we think someone else is judging us. They're actually not thinking about us at all, so there's that. <laughs> but in those times when someone actually is judging us, um, that's based on their own causes and conditions. That's based on their wounds, their difficulties, the things that they have been through. And that's not mine to take on. I don't have to take that on. That's a choice that I have. Um, and that's part of developing sovereignty, is knowing that uh, uh, what someone else thinks, you know, someone else's judgment, we have a choice not to take those on yeah. and to step more fully into who we are and, uh, and embrace that. Um, so um, those are 
sort of a couple of examples that came up for me um, when thinking about uh, sovereignty. And at this point, I would like to invite Teresa to give us a bell, and then we will uh, switch things over to Mike. Um, a couple things that are in my head about how I want to begin. Um, first is with uh, gratitude. Um, to be able to sit in this container. That was um, one of the loveliest meditations I've had in a, in a long time. And if you ever have the opportunity to like, meditate in front of a group of people facing you, I mean, and for me anyways at this point, what an incredible support from you guys to just to anchor me into my cushion. Um, you know, that's how I interpreted it. And I, I was just right there on my cushion. And um, so thank you for that. That was amazing. That was really lovely. And uh, I'd also say uh, thanks for Nicole for not leaving me hanging earlier with that high five. That used to be a thing. I would put it up there and she would just, she would just, that's what it would look like <laughs> for everybody. I didn't realize how painful it was. <laughs> so, uh, Thanks for so, staying with me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so those are on top of my, my, my consciousness right there. Uh, interesting. I mean, sovereignty. So Thich Nhat Hanh, um, who is... The founder in the tradition that this this meditation group um, kind of came up out of this tradition of Plum Village tradition with Zen Master Thich Nhat Hanh. He talks about sovereignty um, sometimes, and not super often, but but it's definitely in there. And um, I think it's it was really amazing for me that Nicole and I, in our own practice, both landed in this topic of sovereignty, and we started talking about it. I don't know how, how long ago now, but we're like, oh, my God, you get, you, it's like, you get it. And then I was like, oh, you get it. This is so fantastic, wonderful that the fruits of our practice have been uncovering this, this idea that is kind of uncommon in, in a Western lexicon, a Western dialogue. The sovereign is the king or kind of has a different energy than in the Buddhist uh, or this type of incorporation. So it was, it's really fun um, to have that experience with Nicole and then we kind of come at it tangentially, kind of facing the same object but coming at it from different angles. 
Um, and so th this topic, I think, is important to the both of us. <clears throat> and the reason, I have a definition too, and I could just as easily use Nicole's. I don't know if she could use mine as easily. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but I could just as easily use Nicole's. But this is what comes out of Mike's consciousness when I, when I think about my experience with sovereignty in this practice and in my life. <clears throat> um, so I'll read my definition that I um, scratched together. Um, sovereignty. The freedom and ease experienced from being liberated from our unskillful governing forces. Governing forces such as reactive habit energies and unskillful views or beliefs. I'll say it again. <clears throat> Sovereignty, the freedom and ease experienced from being liberated from our unskillful governing forces, such as reactive habit energies and unskillful views and beliefs. So my first uh, um, story I'd like to talk about uh, that kind of is how I deal with, is a place where sovereignty showed up in my life, or this type of concept showed up in my life and, and sprung to mind. And I call it the, the rock star contemplation. So if anybody knows me, you, you rarely see me without one of these in my hand. Um, I'm just put them right there. I may, I may crack them open later. <clears throat> and and I get weird looks from other roofers for the amount of rock stars that I drink. Let alone in my Buddhist and spiritual communities. Kind of a weird thing for this guy to be doing. Um, that's a practitioner. So my story takes place in Nicole and I went to New Hampshire this um, summer, uh, September, I guess, to um, Morning Sun, um, which is a residential mindfulness um, community. And we went there because we're looking to start a residential mindfulness community. That's in our path. That's where we're going. <clears throat> And they needed a new roof on their barn, or they just built a building, and they needed a new roof. So it all worked really well. So we went there, and uh, and uh, we were kind of on our own. We didn't have a car, and I was getting ready to go roofing with with the um, with uh, Michael, who's our friend, and the other um, man and his wife who started that center. We're getting ready to go to work, and and Nicole was offered a ride to town to go pick up some goods. And they asked me if I need anything. I was like, I need $20 worth of rock stars, <laughs> please. And I, this is in front of this Buddhist community that I'm showing up for. And, and um, so It was, it was, there's a tension there for me. There's a tension there for me of how I'm going to, how I'm going to handle the situation. And, and I'll, I'm going to just go back into my past just briefly. A lot, a lot of people who know me know a lot of, you know, some of my past. I was a kid 
that that um, wasn't taught very many life skills, how to take care of myself, and I learned how to take care of myself with drugs and alcohol and tobacco. That was my coping mechanisms. That was the skill set that I learned from a, a very early age, starting around 12. And, and uh, I've, I've been, uh, since then, I've, got, I've been sober for over six years now, no, no drugs or alcohol. Um, and, but I still use copious amounts of caffeine to get through my day, and I still use tobacco. Um, and for me, I know that this is not the healthiest thing for me to do. And I don't give myself um, I don't give myself a pass. But I make peace that that's part of my life right now. My sobriety is the most important thing in my life, and my mental happiness is the most important practice in my life right now. And, and with that spaciousness and that ease around using rock stars, I would say abusing rock stars. I abuse, <laughs> I abuse them. <laughs> I'm not going to parse words. That's, that's 300 milligrams of caffeine right there in this one. I'm really excited that they just came out with these. <laughs> I do about three of these a day. So, um, and, I, and, and I know that I'm going to change that in my life. I'm going to give up tobacco, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to situate my life into a place where that's not going to be how I continue into my future. Um, and right now, I'm just... I'm at peace with that process. And I'm not going to carry shame around using this as a mechanism to get through my day. Um, so there's a negative habit energy that's governing me around this. And there's a negative habit energy or view and belief that I, ha that I have around judging myself that I'm an asshole for drinking those, or that there's something wrong with me, or that I'm doing something wrong, or that I'm bad. Has anybody ever had the thought that that's not a very Buddhist thing to do? That's not a very Buddhist thing to do, or that's a bad thing to do. Um, for me, that's the most dangerous phrase in my per inner dialogue. That's the most dangerous phrase my inner dialogue because I've condemned myself. And for me, the Buddhist thing to do is to watch it. And once I said that's a bad thing to do, I, I just shut off. I, I, I know the answer, and I don't need to work with it anymore. So there's no, um, there's no exchange, there's no relationship. I've lost my relationship. So here I am at Morning Sun. <laughs> Can you get me $20 of those? I ran out, by the way. Nicole had to go out and get me more um, at Morning Sun. So this is still being governed by some of my habit energies, unskillful habit energies, but I'm taking care of myself on this whole other, this whole other level that, for me, is really important in my practice. Uh, the most important thing in my practice, my mental um, landscape and my sobriety. Um, I think somehow that leads me into
So this, this year I almost didn't do this talk. Um, Nicole and I had talked about doing it, and this brings me into the, the next, um, the next uh, thing that I'm going to look at, and that Nicole and I are both going to look at the same experience that we're going through as a couple right now. And in, in a relationship, how our sovereignty is, is manifesting in, in a way to care for ourselves and care for each other. And um, I almost didn't do this talk this year because I'm going through um, a depression. I'm, I'm going through depression right now. And my energy level is incredibly low. It's uh, really difficult to get out of bed in the morning. It's really difficult to get my pants on <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> um, uh, to do anything, except for like, I can get, I, I chain mail, I make chain mail stuff. I can really get into that right now. Listen to my audio books or watch YouTube and chain mail. That's my speed. I'm really avoiding people. Watching my energy output and just saving everything I got for work right now. And this is a, this is a, um, I'm going to switch this thing here. This is a pattern in my life. This is a pattern in my life. And it showed up forever. I'm starting to recognize, you know, over the last number of years since I've been getting sober, you know, and, and, really went through a really horrible depression and um, getting sober and practicing mindfulness and watching and observing. Starting to see where my depression manifests from and I see that sleep is really important and my food intake is really important. It's seasonal so wintertime is definitely harder on me than summertime but it's not just seasonal it's just something that can exacerbate this thing that I go through. I see an ancestral lineage in my depression. Um, my mom has um, severe depression at times. I lost an aunt to um, suicide. My uncle um, committed suicide, it was suicide murder on my mom's side. So I have, this, I have this blood thing going on that I can feel. I feel it in my body, this, uh, this thing that starts just grinding and uh, stifling me. Um, and how I used to do that was before I had any concept that I was even depressed, I just, I, w I would use drugs to, to self-medicate. Um, it was one way, and you know, all sorts of distractions. The drugs and alcohol were certainly up there. Um, and after getting some spaciousness and some awareness around my depression, I saw that my belief system that was holding me in the spot, and many of you heard me talk about this, was that there was something wrong with me. I was broken, and I was, I was unfixable. Yeah. Those are these, these mechanisms that were running, propelling my, um, my life. In how it's manifesting for me now is much different. I'd wake up in the morning. I used to wake up in the morning and 
curse myself out and like because I'd be so tired and I have to go to work and there's something wrong with me. Why don't you just fucking go to work, dude? And uh, something, you asshole. And uh, now I just wake up and I feel like crap. I'm like, okay, let's go, buddy. <laughs> it's just, it's okay that I. Said that out loud. And and poor Nicole has to go through this every morning too, because it is not a it's not a pleasant experience for me, and and Nicole has has to listen to all the noises that I make (laughs) in the morning, but that the the, this weird physical depression is like consuming like consuming my body, but it's it hasn't attacked the the thought processes aren't there that keep this freaking weird spiral happening that just really drive me to keep me in bed or to keep me uh, to keep me suffering and so I'm I can experience joy at the same time that my body is just like my internal mechanism like there's something not right and nothing's functioning real good but I can still experience like le- levels of happiness and joy and uh Part of that is accepting that it just hurts to wake up. And part of that's accepting that I'm going to save every ounce of energy that I have so I can go to work tomorrow and, and go to work and show up the best that I can. And uh, just accepting this new person, new person that I've become. Letting him exist. Just letting him exist. It's okay. And for me, that's this new level of sovereignty where I'm not um, uh, being governed by these old stories, my, this this um, societal story about how a human is supposed to exist. Um, and I just get to exist as this guy that's experiencing depression. Somehow he's still experiencing happiness now, too. And it's just um, letting go of all this stuff. I'd like to say one other thing that I have done that has helped me out is, is um, and I don't think it gets talked about in Buddhist communities. I wasn't even going to share it, but for some reason it's, it's coming up. Is I, I'm taking antidepressants. I've been taking antidepressants for years now. Um, and incredible support to my practice. Incredible support to my, um, my mental health. Um, so... You know, I'll say that to you in this moment. So, some ways that I'm dealing with it now. So, I think the main thing that I'm dealing with right now is my work. And I've, I've been watching these cycles of depression for years now, and they tend to revolve around my work. And through all this suffering and, and exploration, I've discovered that what I want to do with my life is build a residential mindfulness community and um, live on one and, and create one. And I get, uh, and, and, and once I get trapped in a job and that becomes my life and the way that I do everything and the way I'm going to manifest everything, then my, my uh, rudders turn the wrong way and I'm going against, I'm going to mix metaphors here going against the current. I was going to switch into carpentry, going against the grain, but that's a different thing. <laughs> Go against current. And it just takes so much energy for me to continue on that path of going against the current, going against the current. And this is my current. 
the way that I want to, or the way that my body wants to go, my being wants to go. And so I've been really aware that this is happening. Um, and there's three things that I've kind of been playing around with, with sovereignty, three, and one's acceptance and curiosity and then experimentation. So I've accepted this depressive state that I'm in, or I'm in a constant, I'm not, <laughs> I shouldn't say I, I'm in, I've accepted. I'm in a constant state of acceptance of this experience that I'm in. Virtually constant state of acceptance. Um, and then a curiosity of where it's manifesting from. Why, why is it showing up like this? And then, and then, and then experimentation about playing around with ways in which I can deal with this experience and maybe um, um, nurture me in a way that um, that would be healing and supportive. How am I doing? I'm way over. I'm okay? Okay. Acceptance, curiosity, experimentation. So I'm at this, and it's this loop. And right now, I'm a, I, I, I predicted that I could, I started roofing again, long story. But I've been roofing for the last three years with my brother. When I started back on with my brother, I told him you'll get a year or two out of me. I'm at year three. So I was pretty close. I'm at year three and I'm running out. And I predict that it's going to happen. And I'm still questioning, is it really the, is it really the work? Is it really that's what's causing this? And I'm like, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if that's what it is. But I'm going to find out. So by through experimentation. So I was talking to Nicole about, you know, we've been talking about, like, how this is manifesting in my life. And I, she's like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, I'd like to go to the monastery for a year, knowing that, like, almost laughably, like, that's not something I'm going to do, but it's what I'd actually like to do. And she's like, well, why don't you go for three months? And she, she meant it. And uh, one of the stories in my head is that I'm supposed to take care of everybody. But that I have to be here to take, to make sure that um, that I keep the foundation so everything keeps running. And um, and I saw that she wants to do that for me. She wants to give me the space to go to the monastery for three months. And um, That's what I'm gonna do. In January 25th, let's see what happens. <laughs> and I think that me doing that is taking care of me, taking care of Nicole. It's given us all sorts of opportunities. So.
So I'm going to share a few things about um, what I am working on in regards to the resurfacing of um, uh, depression in our uh, world right now. And um, then I'll move into a closing here. <clears throat> so one of the things that I um, am, uh, have been working on and I'm working on currently is staying in close connection with um, the truth of how Mike and I's differences do not equate to being right and wrong. That our uh, differences are just differences. Um, and it used to be that when uh, the depression would uh, swell, I would get more caught into that notion of a value of like our differences being right and wrong, mine being right and his being wrong. Yeah. Um, and now I'm really trying to, I, I've been really um, staying in connection with differences are just differences. Yeah. Um, and operating from that place of um, developing understanding and connection versus uh, judgment and separation. So that's one of the things that I am uh, working on in the context of our relationship. And part of, part of this has to do with um, seeing that in general, but then it, it increases when the depression swells, that Mike and I have very different social needs. Um, and that, like I said, that increases when the depression increases, when those symptoms kick back up. Um, more so, and he wants to stay home and not uh, be around people. And um, I'm someone who really likes to do things with friends, and I do a lot out and about in the community. And I like to go to film showings and public talks and poetry readings and music, and I do all sorts of things. So, and you know, we're almost uh, we're almost polar opposites in that regard. And I love gathering people and. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I'm working on is being okay with those different needs and going out and doing those things um, and enjoying what I like to do and not feeling guilty uh, for going out and uh, him staying home and also not being resentful that he's not coming with me, which are two things I used to do a lot of, um, feel guilty and feel resentful. Um, so, um, that is, that's really changed for me and it's something that I, um, you know, continue to, it, that practice has gotten a lot easier, but it is still something that I actively, um, you know, uh, make sure to keep cultivating. You know, another thing that I'm <clears throat> working on is realizing that part of Mike's process, especially right now, is, you know, when he comes home from work, he really wants to just kind of, uh, um, tune out and just, you know, he needs some downtime. Whereas I'm like, hey, let's, I want to share about our day. And I, you know, like really excited to see him. Um, but I'm really working on uh, seeing that, okay, this, he needs this time to, uh, you know, have this time to, to have this downtime. Um, just as I do when I get home from, I work part-time. When I get home, I'm the same way. So uh, I see that that's important. So doing that. And I'm also working on finding a voice when I do feel like we're not connecting enough 
and I do want more communication and, and connection. And voicing those needs in a way that's not fueled with frustration. That's really important. The tone in which I speak with is almost more important than the words that I use. Yeah, tone is incredibly important, and it's very subtle. It can be very subtle. Um, if I'm frustrated, even if I think I'm doing a really good job, that's coming through. Yeah, every time, especially with the person that's closest. Yeah, uh, there's no hiding that. Um, <clears throat> so really keeping in check with that. Um, the other thing I'm working on is not uh, not taking it personally. Uh, this is a very rich uh, teaching in general with anything, <laughs> the practice of not taking things personally. And when it comes to um, you know, uh, this re resurgence of depression, um, I'm working to not take it personally, and that shows up in two ways. One, not thinking that it's my fault, because that's something that used to come up for me. Um, and then two, um, not thinking that I need to be the caped crusader of mental health. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, quote unquote, save him. Yeah. Um, now, that doesn't mean that there aren't things that I can do that might be helpful and supportive. Um, but it's important for me to stay in uh, connection with the difference between offering, wanting to offer help and support out of a place of love and care versus trying to save him out of a place of desperation and fear. Those are different. And I didn't realize that for a long time. Um, so for me, the more that I um, am able to develop my own sense of um, sovereignty, the more I can stay in touch with what those differences are and how they show up for me, um, because I can go into that savior, Cape Crusader mode. And it's not helpful. I think it's. I like to think it's helpful, but it's not. Um, it's not helpful. And so, staying in touch with, um, yeah, the, that differentiation. And then, uh, you know, the last thing, which I think is the most beneficial thing for both of us individually, and something we've talked about, um, is that. We are both, on, in our own way, really absorbing and embodying the teaching that speaks to when I am taking good care of myself, I am automatically helping to take good care of my husband. Yeah. And the same, it goes both ways. When he is taking good, good care of himself, he is automatically helping to take good care of me. Um, and this extends to everyone around us, but in this context we're talking about, you know, in this close relationship. Um, um, the more we are able to see our interbeing nature, yeah, the more that really benefits us as a couple. Um, because our individual sovereignty, or the strength of our individual sovereignty, um, is crucial to our, the health and well-being of our relationship as a couple. Yeah, that sovereignty is really important. Um, for us to continue beautifully into the future together. Mm. Mm. So, um, 
What I'd like to do is have Teresa give us another lovely sound of the bell, and then I'll go into our closing. So if we're um, still feeling like these, um, you know, our understanding of sovereignty still feels a little murky, which would make sense because again, it's a servant, not a common, uh, common thing. Um, what I'll offer is this: um, if we are finding that we are um, continuously attracting and surrounded by uh, rude, disagreeable, unthoughtful, unpleasant people, um, and or if we are constantly feeling sort of affronted, annoyed by, um, put out by, otherwise unglued by the words and actions of others, whether we know them or not, it could just be, you know, something we read in the news, that is a very good indication that our quality of sovereignty is very undernourished. Yeah. So if it's something where like, I don't know, you know, uh, you know how, how to start working with this, that's a place that we can start investigating for ourselves. Do we find ourselves in those cases, in those instances very often? Yeah. Because how we view and regard ourselves uh, directly correlates with how we view and regard others. There's, there's no separation. Yeah. Um, how we interact with ourselves internally is how we will interact with others externally. Yeah. That's also some of the insight of um, uh, looking with the eyes of interbeing. We see that there's no separation there. Yeah. Our inner uh, landscape will be mirrored in our outer landscape. That's, that's a guarantee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if we are unable to accept and embrace ourselves fully for who we are, we're also going to be unable to truly accept and embrace other people for who they are. Yeah. They go together. So the first step in uh, cultivating sovereignty is to learn how to make better acquaintance with ourselves. To learn how to make good friends with who we are and not just the parts that we're already cool with, <laughs> yeah? But all of it, yeah? Sovereignty is about making uh, friends with every single part of who we are. There are no exceptions. This is very important. There are no exceptions. All of it. That means stuff in the past, years ago, oh, that's not me anymore. No, it's all of it. It's all of it. It has to be all of it. There are um, two quotes, uh, two teachings that I um, really enjoy. These are two of my favorite quotes, and I think they're incredibly important and profound teachings. 
Um, I've shared them before. I will probably continue sharing them because I think they are that important. Um, and the first quote uh, is from Carl Rogers, who is one of the sort of founding fathers of our sort of modern day psychology approach. And he says, the curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am, then I can change. The second one is from uh, teacher Jack Cornfield. Um, and I know I've shared this one recently. But he says, much of spiritual life is self-acceptance. Maybe all of it. These are very deep teachings. And I, I have two pieces of um, homework, uh, optional homework, that I strongly encourage for you to do, <laughs> um, that I'd like to uh, send with you tonight. And one of those is to uh, adopt one of those two uh, teaching quotes um, as a guiding light on your path, to uh, post it somewhere where you can see it, uh, commit it to memory, uh, and investigate it for yourself. Form a relationship with one of these teachings. Yeah. Um, up here um, behind Teresa, there are both of those are written out on little pieces of paper. You can take one of those with you, uh, or both of them with you when you go, if you would like. And um, the other piece of homework, optional but strongly encouraged, <clears throat> both things, <laughs> is um, an exercise that I have uh, uh, taken and elaborated on uh, that I found in this book called There is No Good Card for This, which is a funny title. And I, it's not doing, it doesn't do justice for the content of this book. Um, I, that, that's my sense. Um, that's my own feeling. But there's um, this page in here that I really liked, and so I've uh, created it into this homework sort of assignment. And they're also back here. Um, and so this is what it looks like. So there's this uh, picture of this person here surrounded by all these boxes. There's 10 boxes to be exact. And um, your mission, should you choose to accept it, I'm reading the back here. I like to think I'm very funny. Um, is to fill out these empty boxes with small tidbits of information about yourself that you either tend to hide or uh, put a spin on or you feel insecure, self-conscious about, um, you know, have been maybe judged for or looked down for on in the past or feel otherwise uncomfortable sharing. Small tidbits. We're starting small. And it's important to start small when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, and then once you fill out the boxes, I encourage you to share one or more of the things that you came up with someone that you feel safe and comfortable with sharing with who doesn't already know that stuff about you. Yeah. And, um, and this is all on the back of the sheet if you take it with you. The example from the book is also on here. If um, you feel more comfortable and safe to do so, you can also email me instead, knowing that I will hold that information in confidence and my, my personal email is on here. And I'd be happy to be that person for you to share with. Yeah, truly. Um, so when I'm, when I'm going to have a student, Mike and I filled out one of these um, for ourselves. 
and I'm going to have us share what we came up with, and we'll we'll put them out here so you can see them too. Do you want to go first? You want me to want me to go first? Let's uh, trade. Let's go back and forth. Yeah. Oh, like a tennis match. Yeah. Okay. Okay, go. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I watch a lot of YouTube. Okay. I don't want to have a garden. <laughs> I'm bald. <laughs> I love my day planner. Uh, uh, are we doing all of them? I don't know. Okay. I just was going to look for the best one. Waking up is the hardest part of my day. I am a vegetarian who doesn't like mushrooms. <laughs> I eat meat. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne's World is one of my favorite movies. Uh, I chew tobacco. I am an expert of the Golden Girls. You know the show from the eighties. I know every I know everything about that show. Yep. I drink three rock stars a day. <laughs> I love rap music. I can't spell. I'm not good with numbers. Uh, I say. Wash with a R. I say wash. Oh. <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't wear makeup or ever cut my hair. I am an addict in recovery. I could eat pizza every day. I only read science fiction fantasy. <laughs> and that's my last one, right? Okay. And I wear the same basic outfit every day. So those are the sort of small tidbits uh, that we are talking about, and uh, we'll, we'll leave those out for you to look at. Um, so uh, concluding here, we're going to wrap up. Um, I appreciate, we appreciate, you know, I speak for both of us, your presence and your practice and your time here tonight and for allowing us to um, give a talk. Um, it's it's a good practice for us too as a couple to work on these these talks and um, um, our differences uh, really come up in a lot of lovely ways and we have different perspectives which I think really go well together so um, we appreciate having these opportunities um, so with that again the the, the homework assignments are, are back here uh, maybe we'll move the, the table up when we're done here but uh, um, Teresa will give us uh, maybe three sounds of the bell to close, and then um, any help as usual, putting the cushions away is always appreciated. Thank you so much. <laughs>